Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical, environmental and anti-capitalist politics, brought to you by Bob Bazanka and Scott Parker. Welcome to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Parkin, today in sunny Berkeley, California. And as always, I'm joined by... In sort of freezing Houston, Texas, I am uh, Professor Bob Bezanko from the University of Houston, and I'll explain in a bit why I introduced myself that way. Uh, And as always, we want to thank you for becoming patrons and followers and friends of Green and Red Podcast. Our numbers have gone like way, way, way up. We're very happy about that um, on all medium. And uh, we hope that continues. So if you listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, or if you watch us on YouTube or whatever, please share that, but also subscribe and rate and review and um, offer some comments and tell everybody about it and follow us and just you know like continue supporting us because we are getting stuff out there like today is like a really great uh story uh so please uh continue to tell people about what we're doing and if you really like us you can help perpetuate the green and red media machine by making a donation to our website go to greenandredpodcast.org and hit that support button and you can make a one-time donation or if you really want to support us, you can become a patron at our Patreon page, which is patreon.com backslash green red podcast. Uh, and so today we're going to be talking about uh, the situation at Collin College. Last year, we uh, talked with Audra Hayslip and Suzanne Jones after they were fired. Uh, Bob's going to go into a little bit more with that. But today we're talking to a, another professor who is also recently been fired from Collin College. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Michael Phillips. Professor Phillips is a scholar of American race relations, Texas history, right-wing politics, and apocalyptic religions. After a seven-year journalism career, including a stint at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, he received his PhD from the University of Texas at Austin in 2002. Uh, His dissertation won the University of Texas at Austin Outstanding Dissertation Award and was published as White Metropolis, Race, Ethnicity, and Religion in Dallas, 1841 to 2001. I actually just ordered it because I'm from Dallas and I'm really curious on this on that subject. Uh, Professor Phillips has combined his scholarship with activism as one of the school and was one of the leaders of the movement to take down Confederate monuments and rename schools named after Confederate leaders in Dallas. Uh, in 2019, he was named part of the first group of community college professors to receive a Mellon American Council of Learned Society's Community College Research Fellowship for his project on the history of eugenics in the state of Texas. Phillips and his wife and research partner, Betsy Freaf, are under contract with the University of Oklahoma Press to write an upcoming book called The Strange Career of Eugenics in Texas, 1854 to 1940. Since 2007, he has taught at Collin College in Plano, Texas, and is currently engaged in a fight over free speech and labor relations at that institution. Uh, welcome to Green and Red. And as Scott mentioned, it was uh, almost exactly a year ago today, we talked to Suzanne Jones and Audrey Hayslip, uh, who had been fired from Collin College. And then I think not long after that, Laura Burnett was. And these were clear, um, clearly retaliatory based on First Amendment issues, uh, speaking out uh, against 
COVID protocols in particular. And at that point, you know, this is like, and I, I knew a little bit about you from friends we have in common, but then uh, at that point, I noticed you were becoming more and more outspoken. And so unfortunately, I thought, oh boy, you know, we can kind of see where this is, this is headed. And, and now it has. Um, do you want to kind of take us back to kind of where this all started? Because I know, I think, was it in Suzanne's case, uh, your president, who I refer to personally as a combination of Bull Connor and Herb Tarlick, uh, um, mentioned this uh, in 2017, uh, and you mentioned the, the issue of Confederate statues. Uh, she simply signed a petition, I believe, identifying herself as, a, as faculty at Collin College, and they cited that as uh, part of the reason for firing her, which is why I introduced myself as a professor at the University of Houston, because obviously if you can't say I'm a professor at the University of or Collin College or wherever, then the whole idea of, of academic freedom is a sham. So do you want to kind of just get started on how this all began? Well, uh, to set context real quickly, we don't have tenure right. at Collin College. Uh, and I guess academics may have done a poor job uh, presenting themselves as a sympathetic proletariat. Uh, people don't understand the issue of tenure. Our jobs involve us dealing with very uh, heated, controversial topics, which really makes us vulnerable if we have no job protections. We, that's part of our job is to explore the world as it is. And when you don't have tenure, uh, people can become outraged, you know, by just merely discussing issues like racism, homophobia, et cetera. Uh, and we have, uh, I think this really reveals the mentality of the college. We've had a trustee, an elected trustee on the board since Collin College was founded in 1985, who was at a Tea Party event in 2015. He was running for re-election and he said, the reason we don't have tenure is this, it's by design. He said that when you have tenure, anti-capitalist, uh, uh, socialists, radical professors become entrenched in the system. We have a contract system. And he's coming out and saying basically that this is to suppress uh, views that the college doesn't agree with, uh, you know, views that are uh, 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 at variance with their political ideology. We have a president, Neil Matkin, who has been there since 2015, who uh, I think revealed more than he intended to when he talked about uh, his goal was Amazonification of education. I think he was meant, he meant flexible, quote unquote, delivery systems for a product. But of course, I, Amazon is infamous for its abuse of labor, uh, abuse of workers and, and suppression of unions, right? Now, my personal problems with Mackin, I, I was skeptical because, um, he came from, uh, you know, his bachelor's degree was from a defunct college uh, that had a campus in Texas. It was founded in Pasadena, California. It's called Ambassador College. This college uh, taught that interracial dating was immoral. It taught that the Western Europeans were the descendants of the lost tribes of Israel, uh, that these people were going to uh, basically, uh, that British and the Americans were going to rule the world the millennium and so on, anti-evolution. And so that all of that worried me. And I asked him questions about that. So that was my hello, my greeting with this <laughs> president when he was basically making a presentation when he was a finalist for the job of president. But it, it really began to deteriorate when I co-authored an open letter 
that was published by the Dallas Morning News calling for the removal of Confederate monuments. Suzanne signed it. I co-wrote the letter and identified me as a member of the faculty, Collin College faculty. And I got summoned into a meeting with my provost, the person who heads the campus that I've taught at. Uh, she's now in a different position in the college. And uh, she said, I violated policy by invoking the name of the college. Uh, of course, uh, case law in the First Amendment says I can speak on matters of public concern, period. Uh, and it doesn't say I can't mention my employer. Uh, uh, she said one thing that was really striking that I think is a window into the insight or the uh, mentality of the university. She said she didn't want me or other faculty members to make the college look bad for opposing racist iconography, racist statues. And I asked her at that meeting, look bad to who? And it was obvious that in the mindset of the administration that the default face they see when they think of the Collin County community where Collin College is located just north of Dallas, that that face is white. And it's a white face belonging to a person who loves Confederate statues. Black people, anti-racist whites, Latinx community and so on, they're invisible. They're not in the forefront of the consciousness of the administration. Uh, a couple, uh, a few days later, the college president said the same thing at a meeting of the faculty council, which is our governing body, you know, for faculty. Uh, I was a member of the faculty council at that time, and I spoke to him as he left the meeting where he addressed us. He said, "Don't involve the college in any causes," and I, I, I again said. You know, uh, you know, I was talking to him, he, he told me once again, uh, don't make the college look bad. And then he looked at me, he said, I wanna make sure you can keep doing what you're doing, which I took as a threat, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so then uh, it cooled down a little bit. Uh, the mass shooter in El Paso, Patrick Crucius, was a student of Collin College. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. And, and he grew up in this really intense, you know, place that's diversifying, but also as it diversifies, I think has become more intensely racist. Both things are happening at the same time. Um, we got a directive from Matkin to direct all press inquiries to the press office of the college. Now that's an issue in and of itself. And that, that's a free speech issue. But uh, I, I said, well, I, I can't afford to get fired at this point. I'll do my best to, uh, to uh, not, you know, I, I have no intention of violating the directive even though I have a constitutional right to talk about these issues. The Washington Post called me because I'm considered the expert on the history of racism and race, racial ideology in Dallas. So I told the reporter for the Washington Post that I would not talk about Patrick Crucius or about the shooting, but if you wanted to talk about racism in the Dallas suburbs, I could do that. I confirmed for her that neo-Nazi flyers had been distributed at each of our campuses. 
uh, and that's essentially the only quote that appeared. I got called in by my uh, uh, associate dean at the time. I was given a level, what they call a level one discipline warning. I was told not to talk to the press about things unless I went to through approved channels, another violation of free speech. And so I had that on my record. And then when Audra, Suzanne, and Laura Burnett, who was fired for criticizing Mike Pence on her own private Twitter page, happened, I, I spoke out at every board meeting for months, uh, elected board of trustees. Uh, I also spoke out about the fact that this college is the only one in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, only public institution that provides no LGBTQ protections. Uh, they're not in the dis anti-discrimination statement. But I spoke out about how Audra and Laura and Suzanne had been treated, about their violation of their free speech rights. And so I'm sure they were unhappy with that. Uh, the Chronicle of Higher Education, an investigative reporter there, revealed that the president of the college, Neil Mackin, had uh, mocked his Jewish predecessor at a college event uh, he put on a bowl, he put a bowl on his head, like it was a yarmulke, and basically said, I'm Kerry Israel, you know, who's the name of the previous president. He told a joke, according to several sources uh, uncovered by that reporter, that he couldn't tell black deans apart. I asked for accountability for that and for board members to say something. The two uh, women on the board spoke about it, none of the seven men who were all really extremely conservative uh, uh, Republicans on the, on the board, none of them said a word. In fact, they gave them a contract extension, bonuses and so on after that became public. So all, obviously they didn't like me. So the last, I think the, maybe the final issue was that when we came back into session uh, on the fall semester. And this college has pushed, pushed, pushed for in-person classes. Our, our president at one point said that the pandemic had been overblown, greatly overblown. Uh, it's now killed officially more than 900,000 people. Deadliest event in US history. Uh, uh, far more than the American Civil War over four years. Uh, but he said it was way overblown. Masks are ten, only 10% effective. I have no idea where he got that supposed fact. It's like, the uh, yeah, I, I won't make jokes anyway. <laughs> um, when we got back, we were presented a PowerPoint by our associate dean where we were told we could use no language recommending masks, none. Couldn't say masks are a good idea, masks are helpful, uh, please wear a mask, nothing. And we couldn't do it in our syllabus or in person in class. Clearly unconstitutional. We, we got basically the same memo from, even though there are signs all over campus that say mask wearing is encouraged, but the provost told us we're not allowed to say a word about it, which of course I did on the first day, so. And, and well, I did too. And that's yeah. gonna be part of the story. Um, yeah. And we were later told, don't mention social distancing. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, so, um, 
So I saw that I took a picture of the PowerPoint and later when we got an email saying, don't talk about social distancing, I posted it on Twitter and Facebook. And then on the first day of classes, one of my assignments, I gave all the classes. Now, yeah, I teach history is to write an essay about the history of pandemics and epidemics in North America from Christopher Columbus bringing smallpox to the Caribbean to uh, the coronavirus. And I told the students, look, uh, you know, I mean, we've had this experience before during the influenza epidemic, 1918, 1919. Uh, uh, there were anti-mask leagues in San Francisco. There were, you know, there were, there were uh, movements against, you know, wearing masks. And this is before people even knew what viruses were. You know, they, the microscopes had not been developed that could, you know, uh, uncover the existence of viruses. People knew that mask wearing was safe. I said, uh, and that hampered the attempts to stop the spread of that deadly disease. Uh, I told them a story at that point, there was a, uh, a lot of coverage of this purple heart winner in the Houston area who had a treatable condition that was still lethal if it was not treated. And that man's family called all over Texas, Oklahoma and other surrounding states looking for a hospital bed and they couldn't find one because the beds were filled with COVID patients. And I asked my students, please, I'm not gonna judge you. I understand that masks are uncomfortable, but uh, think about the people next to you it is, the science says it's effective. You know, I had students touting the wonders of ivermectin. They're drowning in misinformation. And so I felt it, you know, it was analogous to having a school shooter on campus. And, you know, I would pull them to safety if I could, right? This is a moral obligation. <clears throat> so I got called into a meeting uh, by the Dean and Associate Dean once again. This is becoming a habit, I guess, right? And, um, they, they said that uh, I shouldn't have posted on social media that was going outside the college. You, you can only talk to your dean or associate dean or provost or whatever. You can't talk to the public. And then I, I was uh, given uh, a level one discipline warning again. Four days later, I was told that I was not being recommended for a contract renewal. I still was made to do a performance improvement plan, even though they said they were trying to fire me. Uh, well, now, when did this happen? What, what's the time? This uh, starting in August. And then the, uh, the performance improvement plan was given to me in August. We have this faculty body that's part of the contract process called the Council on Excellence. I was made to apply for a three-year contract extension through them. Uh, I did everything the performance improvement plan asked me to do. The Council on Excellence, made up of faculty, recommended me for contract renewal in January. And then the end of this month, last month, uh, January 28th, I was told that no one in my chain of command going up to the senior vice president was going to recommend me for renewal, that I was being recommended for basically termination. One last part of the story is, I was summoned into a meeting with the provost and the senior vice president. Uh, the president of the college had not yet signed off on the end of my employment. And they said, well, your scholarship is important. Your teaching is important. 
So we want to work, see if maybe we could work out a deal where, uh, you know, we, we can work together to craft a narrative so we can give you a graceful exit. And what they wanted me to do is say that I had left voluntarily. And uh, if I did that, they said they would help me get a job. Uh, I find that a rather a weak and dubious offer. <laughs> and and uh, I, I was being asked to lie on behalf of the institution. And I think it was for their benefit, not for mine, right? Yeah, uh, uh, they have become well known as a college that suppresses free speech mm -hmm. two years in a row. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education named Collin College, one of the 10 worst colleges for free speech in the country. And as I think we're the only community college that has made that list. That's quite an achievement in a very dubious fashion. And so uh, that's what they were trying to prevent. And I guess they assumed I would take this, but I've been outspoken my entire career because I think, think it's part of my job. I think the world is my classroom. The world is my classroom. I have an obligation to bring what I know, not just to my students, but to the world, because that's why I spent much, so much time getting a PhD. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean I'm imbued with automatic wisdom. Terrible people have had PhDs. Not very smart people have acquired PhDs. But I think I have acquired some knowledge that could help the surrounding world. So yeah, it's that's been an ongoing story. Watching, I could not remain silent when I saw what happened to my peers. It was injustice, but also uh, the, the community needed to know and the courts have established the rights of professors to speak out on matters of public concern. So that, that's that's the story. It was a little long, but that's what I've been. Oh, no, that's, that's fine. I think many of us who've been, you know, kind of like you activist professors have kind of cotton flack now and then again. But um, what what Colin has done is just is staggering. And um, now I don't know in your specific case, but I believe either was it Suzanne or Laura essentially found out she was fired on Twitter because Matkin and one of the local uh, uh, Colin College Republican leaders were kind of making fun of her. And so there's clearly a, a collaboration there between the local GOP with the university, mm -hmm. with the college too. And I just wondered if that in, entered into your situation also. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, in Laura Burnett's case, she was uh, a professor of history at the college. Yeah. She was live tweeting during the vice presidential debate between Kamala Harris and, and, and Mike Pence. And at one right. point, Pence was continually interrupting Harris and talking over her. And she felt it was really misogynist. I agree with her. Uh, and she she used the phrase, he needs to shut his demon mouth. Yeah. And that's on her Twitter page where there's no reference to her employer. Right. right. That's constitutionally protected speech. Sure. Uh, sure. Apparently, and I, by the way, I got covered by these people too. There's this uh, astroturf right-wing group called Campus Reform that pretends to be like an online newspaper, that their mission is to get professors who are left of them, which is most of the universe, fired. And so uh, they did a story about Laura and her, her comments and uh, that of others. Uh, that got picked up by Fox News. And then this, um, I think, extremist member of the state legislature, Jeff Leach, who uh, in 2015, I believe it was, authored a bill that would have 
exposed women who've gotten abortion to the death penalty and wrote one of these constitutionally meaningless anti-Sharia bills. You know, you can't impose Sharia law there. Well, the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment makes that impossible anyway, and the Muslim community is not trying to do that. But anyway, uh, he has a long record, uh, anti-trans bills, just the worst type of legislation. He texted our college president, Neil Mackin, and says, is, is Laura, uh, is she uh, paid by tax dollars? And, uh, and Mackin says, yes, she is. I'm aware of her. And Jeff, Jeff Leach said, well, I'm hearing some things, not a ton, but I'm hearing some things. And Neil Mackin's talking about an employee of the college to someone outside the college violating her rights as an employee to privacy. And he's saying, uh, she's, on my, she's already on my radar. And we, we were assuming that it's because she had written to Mac in an email questioning what we were doing about COVID and uh, basically saying, I'll take care, I'll take care of it. Uh, good luck in November. <laughs> basically endorsing this far right wing member of the legislature. And so, yeah, that, that's egregious. And then the case of Audra and Suzanne, Suzanne was fired because she signed the letter I co-wrote that was published by the Morning News on Monuments. And for 24 hours, the state Texas Faculty Association, a non-bargaining union, had her listed as a contact person at Collin College. So it said Collin College both times. To be clear, there are multiple former and current board members who have their names on endorsement websites for political candidates where they're listed as Collin College Board of Trustees members. Mm -hmm. So total hypocrisy in that regard. The, the endorsements are for Republican, conservative Republicans. Uh, all right-wing Republicans, yes. Um, and I mean, this is the board we deal with. Uh, we have one board member who, uh, he, his entry into politics was campaigning against an equal rights ordinance that only it only covered uh, gays, lesbians, and bisexuals, but you know against employment discrimination, and that's how he entered politics. And he's on the board of trustees. Uh, so we have a, a really uh, reactionary board, that, and they have a different set of rules for themselves. Uh, than they do for the faculty uh, and and the staff. And so, and how, how does one get on the board of trustees of Collin College? Are you appointed yeah, by you the get governor? Elected. Or, oh, you get elected. Elected. Yeah, countywide. It's a countywide election, so it's at large. So um, you know we have large pockets of the county that are really extremists. The county is like Texas that it ever seems to be at the tipping point. You know, and so we had the board member I mentioned, his name is Bob Collins, who said, we don't have tenure to keep the socialists off the uh, faculty. Uh, he only got 52% of the vote running against someone who had never run for election before. So I think we're really close to the change. But of course, the, the really restrictive voting laws, you know, that Texas is passing, uh, you know, makes it difficult, even though you can't gerrymander in a countywide race. Uh, I, there's still barriers to voting in Texas that have made it difficult to reach that point. And I think the tipping point will come, but it's ever on the horizon <laughs> in Texas. We're yeah. never quite there. 
And it's part of it is because the Democratic Party in Texas has been exceptionally feeble. You know, in, in, they're the Washington generals of politics. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters are the Republicans, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not here. I want to be clear. Free speech cuts both ways. Yeah, of course. So, of course yeah, the political spectrum could swing the other way. Yeah. And you could at some point have, you know, conservative, you know, under a uh, liberal, I, I don't think a left administration is ever going to be in place in, in this country or in Collin County, but it, they can be affected by free speech <laughs> issues too. And, and so, so, you know, I, I have no recourse and uh, I'd be represented by the group that won a settlement from uh, Collin College. And by the way, that settlement became news two days before I was fired. Uh, you know, so this group called the Foundation for individual rights in education. At my case, uh, they're going to represent me pro bono. You know, perhaps Collin College will review what they've done. I doubt it and make a different decision. But we're going to fight for our rights, uh, my rights, and the rights of all faculty because I, I fear that when things like this happen, it, it is seen as an example by other states and other college administrations. Uh, uh, and and this, what happens at Collin College may not stay at Collin College. You are listening to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red Podcast. And as always, we thank you for listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And then as always, uh, we would like to ask you to subscribe uh, to us on whatever format you listen to, whether it be on podcast or on our YouTube channel. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are on Linktree slash Green and Red Podcast. And we now also have postcards. And if you have a coffee house or a library or a bookstore or someplace like that in your area, that might be uh, a great spot to put some of these. Just ask us and we will send them to you free of charge to spread the word about the Green and Red Podcast. And you can email us at greenredpodcast at gmail to get uh, a, a packet of your of your postcards. Uh, and then, if you really like us, you can uh, donate. And you know, we we are very happy to get the donation and have the small base of small donors that we have. Uh, and so, you can either become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast, or you can make a one time donation at greenandredpodcast.org and just hit that support button. It's also on the postcards. Uh, and so, uh, you know, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Colin is getting pounded on this. I mean, the, the publicity is just keeps pouring in, you know, one of the 10 worst colleges. I mean, just all kinds of, and I just get the sense they don't care. They're very casual. Like, yeah, we'll get rid of you and, you know, move on. And I've seen no sense that any of this is is of any concern to them, obviously, because of what they did to you. You would think they would think twice because they're getting pounded. So that's kind of, to me, kind of I, very I, chilling. Yeah. I will say this, uh, and it was the same week uh, I spoke to the board about the mass gag rule, and then two days later was summoned into uh, the administrative office, and this may have been a factor. Uh, two board members actually voted against Mackin getting a contract extension. Yeah. And that has never happened in the history of that college that I've been able to discover. First yeah. time ever, there's been a split vote 
on extending the contract of the president. And I think that may have been a factor that the president was really angry that, you know, because of our activism on behalf of the other faculty members, that it caused a split in the board. Uh, but that we live in a one party, I mean, Texas itself is a one party political system, except at the local level, right? Cities <laughs> tend to be democratic, uh, uh, you know, big ones like Houston and da Dallas, but uh, on the statewide level and in most towns, uh, you know, smaller towns, towns smaller than the suburbs, it's all Republican. Uh, Collin County is a one party uh, county. And so there's no accountability at all. They don't hold each other accountable and they live in this bubble and they assume it will last forever. And so that's why they're not, they, the outside world is, you know, irrelevant to them. And they don't seem to calculate how that will affect maybe corporate decisions to move here, people, uh, the decision of parents to send their children to the schools. And I'm seeing that on Twitter, that there are concerns from parents, uh, you know, and faculty, uh, you know, people who are looking for work in this terrible, historically bad job market <laughs> saying, I'm not gonna even consider applying there. Uh, I don't think they care uh, essentially about the quality of education. They wanna produce diplomas uh, from what I can tell. And I think, it's, I think it's really concerning. They certainly don't care about the quality of education. If award-winning uh, respected scholars like Laura, Audra, Suzanne and me are getting pushed out the door for exercising free speech. Yeah. I mean, another issue I think that's important because whenever these come up, I always point out, um, you've been teaching for quite some time and I'm assuming, I'm, I'm quite sure that, you know, you're not teaching American exceptionalism, right? Um, yeah. Have you ever had a student complain about what you're teaching in class? Yeah, yeah, I mean. But, but I mean, is that, that's not, did, did they, act, I mean, that's not really part of what this is about, right? No, I mean, uh, no, well, uh, the the students, uh, and I don't know, because again, the language used to describe how many, there were. There was a student or several students or a couple of students who didn't like what I said about masks. They said they supposedly felt- Right, but I'm talking about content. Like if you no, were talking no. about, no, that's, yeah, that's yeah. my point. Like yeah. I say, you know, I just talk about class and race and I've, <laughs> students are fine with that. I've never had any complaints. That's my point on that Over issue. Like, Overwhelmingly, yeah. overwhelmingly right, right. my class evaluations have been positive. Exactly, that's my point. Yeah. It seems like there's uh, there uh, very often is uh, like one student, right, right, or two or three in a semester who didn't like my content. They thought I was right. too tough on Trump. Uh, right. You know, and by the way, I'm tough on Kennedy. I'm tough on yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah I, I, you know, you ought to hear what I say about Woodrow Wilson. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Um, you know, I talk about Lincoln's uh, advocacy of colonization. They all, you know, they all get yeah. the same treatment from me. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, it's a tiny, and even in, even in a really conservative place like Collin County, overwhelmingly students have found it fascinating. I had a uh, student this last semester, and this is part of what's heart heartbreaking for me, because um, she uh, she's Palestinian. Uh, she lived for a while in Saudi Arabia. She came over here, and it was my first half of U.S. history. And so I talk about 
Europe and, you know, the Muslim caliphates at the time of Columbus. And she said that I was the first professor she ever had who ever seemed to have any understanding of Islam. Uh, you know, I talked a little bit about contemporary politics. She said, as the first student I ever had who had any nuance in discovering or discussing Palestinians and their cause. Uh, and she said, I made her feel welcome in a way she had not felt welcome before, to the extent that she was talking to her mom and the rest of her family. And when she took the second half of the history with me, she said, oh, my mom wants to know how you're doing. <laughs> you <know>, she was <laughs> apparently, apparently on, to uh, on a topic of discussion. And uh, she passed word on uh, from her parents that uh, her parents were proud of me for being willing to be open and uh, honest about Middle Eastern politics. And so, you know, there's a, such a loss to students like that. African-American students who felt, the, you know, the one student said she didn't fully appreciate the struggle of her ancestors until she took my class. Um, you know, I've had students complain because I do get graphic. I, I Tell them, you know, be careful, you know, and I'll find an alternative, but we're going to talk about lynching. Yeah. And I think that's such a uh, critical uh, way to understand the zeitgeist we're living in now to be and to be blunt about it. And uh, I try, you know, I always give the warnings, you know, we're about to talk about this if you don't want to. And then students very often are really grateful because yeah. it, made, it made it real for them in a way Then yeah. if you just brush over details. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, the students have been supportive. Uh, yeah. Just like 95 plus percent, sometimes almost like, I've had classes where 100% gave me top ratings yeah. Uh, yeah. For, in every category. Yeah, no, I, I, that's my point because I've seen the same thing. I mean, I've had a couple of people say like, he doesn't seem to like Christianity. It's like, well, yeah, and you kind of get a point, you know, but, uh, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, like you, like I'll say, Hey, turn your head away, but I'll show an image of Eva Mattel, you know, and I'll say, okay, yeah. now you can look if you don't want to see it. Right, but, right. um, and, and this is often the case. I think these professors, these not professors, these administrators are allegedly saving children from something that there's no problem. They're fine with it. And I think they embrace it and want it. What else is striking, you know, and I remember when Suzanne and Audra talked to us, this position on Confederate monuments, you're on the same side. You are on the same side as NASCAR, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, half yeah. of corporate America, Wall Street. Har Harley really? Davidson. Harley <laughs> Davidson. Like, this is what really is amazing. You know, like, you know, like nobody's outside of Trump is supporting Confederate monuments anymore. You know. I, I actually said that at a board meeting uh, yeah. when I was talking about Suzanne's firing. Yeah. And I said, I said, can this college at least keep up with NASCAR? Right. <laughs> and uh, you actually, there were actually, there was some laughter in, in yeah. the audience, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and uh, the board was getting really uncomfortable because we were delivering hundreds of people in some cases to these board meetings and they actually issued a, a set of guidelines that was tentative then they released it before it had been approved where they were uh, going to tell people that anger was prohibited at the meeting <laughs> and i think they i i think the members of the board were smart enough to realize after it got covered and, <laughs> that banning an emotion is uh, a, a little <laughs> difficult, right? And so I, I got in trouble at UH for vociferousness 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm Italian. The hell you, you know, like what vociferousness, you know? Yeah, in spite of my name, I am too, right? You know, Siciliano. <laughs> and so it's tough for me too. But no, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it's been surreal. I, it got to the point, uh, you know, over the years. So I was going to do an event on disability and the issues uh, people with disabilities have. Like for instance, you know they 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 can be paid a sub minimum wage for their work, and and so uh, part of the name of the event I propose uh, referred to the politics of disability, and the dean uh, dean who's now the provost who fired me said um, said change it to issues of disability. We're apolitical here, so so the word politics was prohibited by a provost who's. Bat, whose degree is in political science. So I don't know what we're going to call that discipline, science, I guess, but you know, it, it just, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's how extreme, even individual words. Yeah, just saying there are political issues about disability, you can't acknowledge that. And so this is uh, really chilling. And I, I wanted to mention this because I think this is critical. Uh, I have had numerous faculty members tell me that they wanted to speak out, but they were afraid because we have no protections, job protections, and if they get fired, they lose their health insurance. And that's, uh, people don't think about health insurance as a free speech issue, but when you're under the tyranny of a system where you're health and safety are dependent on the capriciousness of an employer who doesn't respect your rights. That has a chilling effect on speech, not just the firings, but the loss of income and the loss of insurance. And, you know, I mean, people who have uh, undergoing cancer treatments, et cetera, the college, they've wanted to say something, but they, they feel muzzled. And, uh, and so there are so many ways in which free speech, and it doesn't help when college professors can see books being banned, uh, a principal at a high school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, getting fired because some people were upset that, you know, he's African-American and he has a picture of himself with his white wife and he used the term systemic racism uh, to talk about George Floyd and, you know, books being hauled out, a, a fourth grade teacher who's an award winner getting uh, disciplined because she had a book in her classroom library that was titled, This Book is Anti-Racist. And she got, she got disciplined for that. Uh, a, a school district in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where uh, there was an in-service meeting and uh, they were talking about, well, you know, you want to avoid trouble. Uh, so, you know, if you talk about the Holocaust, be sure you have books that present the other side. And I've told people, I, I'm not sure what the other side is other than Mein Kampf. I'm not sure, you know, let's uh, have... Yeah. Let's have books by David Irving or other infamous yeah. Holocaust deniers in the library. Yeah, it, it just, it's just uh, all of this, you know, is filtering up to the college level and it'll hit the university level next. I really think that we have to, we have to stand in solidarity. There is unfortunately a class system in academia yeah. And we need to acknowledge that. And, you know, uh, research level, you know, research one level universities, tenure 
uh, very often they don't seem to have solidarity with people at community colleges and and huh. yeah, professoriate, yeah. right? <laughs> Am I right? You've just hit a real sore point with with us because. Um, well, per your earlier point, after we talked to, to Susanna Audra last year, I got four or five emails from people at call and saying, please don't use my name. But, you know, so they're clearly the intimidating factor was there. But um, we promoted heavily our, our interview. And I wrote an article also about uh, Colin College last year. And we tagged like everybody in like New York and everybody you know, in academia and, you know, it, it, I'm not going to lie. It's, I'm still pissed off about it. This, this is one thing where I can't laugh. Um, you know, there was, was cricket, uh, cricket, a lot of crickets. There was crickets. Um, like, you know, I said, if this, like, this is the time when Nathan Robinson from current affairs had been, you know, suspended for some kind of, you know, by the Zionist that for something he'd written in, in current affairs, I'm against that. Right. I signed a petition, but that's, you know, the guy that's, that's a side gig for him. This is like, you and the one thing I always point out too is they're losing their health insurance. Right. And, and the fact that there was like no solidarity from, from professors, from the so-called left media, I still, to this day, it, it, I can't laugh about that. It still pisses me off. Absolutely. And, and yeah, the top tier research institutions, their professoriate are not safe either. I mean, I've, I, I've been on the, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, like I'm tenured and just UH is a different beast, but I've had plenty of run-ins with plenty of people. And, you know, I, I was never really, you know, I was, it wasn't going to have, what happened to you guys wasn't going to happen to me, but it wasn't fun. And well, in I the mean, coming like, years, they're, they're going to get rid of me. They're going to get rid but, of people like me. Yeah. But Stephen Saliata, you know, is driving a bus, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Uh, Garrett, Garrett Felber at Mississippi, you know? So, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no, let me be clear. There's no lack of dignity in driving a bus. Yeah. But he spent years getting a PhD and he's right, a right, scholar and he can't right, do it anymore right, as right. he spoke out for Palestinian rights. And, right. and yeah, and and even with tenure, you know, he yeah. got a job offer and, and he got yeah. basically yeah. rescinded, right? And so, yeah, this is uh, uh, something that will consume all of us. And we see yeah. this, if we're historians, we know this has happened to the working class struggle that yeah. there there's manipulation that's divided Yep. <laughs> you know, different sets of workers against each other. And we should, of all people, be aware of the game that, that's played. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, you know, right now, uh, the, the battleground is the courts, unfortunately. But I really hope that uh, within the profession, there, there's a, a, an awareness that we really have to stick together. One thing, um, and, and I know we're getting close, but um, there's a very, very tragic and kind of poignant story about it. The dean of nursing at your school. And I just right. wonder if you could say something about that, too, because I know you're participating and kind of trying to create a tribute to her as well. Well, it wasn't. OK, we had the dean of nursing die of COVID, but it was right. actually an adjunct. Oh, and, OK, OK. Yeah. This woman named Iris Mehta, who uh, w had been a nurse at Rikers in New York and she had she became beloved there when when she left her last day at, at Rikers they clapped her out the prisoners clapped her out they were just really moved by her compassionate care um she you know she was grew up in absolute poverty in New York uh managed to get a degree you know through a lot of grit intelligence and character um 
And she then came to Dallas. We have a jail called the Luce Starrett Justice Center. Uh, she did the same work there. And she was retired. She was 70. And the COVID epidemic hit. And she wanted to do something. So she taught a dual credit course in one of the small towns in Collin County you know, that Collin College offers, the health profession course. And she, had, she was in a classroom with a student who was symptomatic. She got COVID. She died. According to uh, the Chronicle of Higher Education, that story they did on our college, uh, big expose, when her daughter called to see if she could get, get some workman's compensation, things she was laughed at, the daughter, uh, Celine uh, Meta Schlammel is her name. She, uh, uh, Iris died and I wrote a faculty council resolution. I wasn't a member, but I wrote one that it approved where we asked for a scholarship in her name. And we also asked for uh, uh, maybe like a picture of her or some kind of plaque or something honoring her sacrifice because she could have stayed home. She was retired and she put herself on the line because she wanted to provide, to train people to provide life-saving care. You know, someone who had, you know, wiped off the brow of fevered patients. You know, she had been there before and the college would not do it. The college said, well, lots of people die. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's put up an honor uh, to all, <laughs> all people who have passed away at the college. It's an all lives matter response. Yes. Like to the yeah. Black Lives Matter, this is an African-American woman. And I, don't, I think I'm suspicious of the motives why they couldn't bring themselves to it. Maybe they just didn't want to acknowledge uh, some holes in the safety protocols. Is uh, this the one where um, Matt can put her death in like the 22nd paragraph of this yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. He, said, he said an email, uh, uh, updates and happy Thanksgiving. And you go down 22 paragraphs. He said, basically it was like, oh, by the way, a faculty member died. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, everyone saw that they read it they said who who died you know because there was no at that point he said he hadn't contacted the family yet and didn't have clearance but certainly that was not the most sensitive way to present that information you, you, if you don't have uh, authorization family you say we've learned that we've lost a member of our college community uh, we're heartbroken when we are able to tell, share details. We will do it in a separate email. Don't talk about Thanksgiving. He's giving details of his family plans. Well, but you know, you also need to let people know who had contact with her, that they're at risk now. Yeah, you know? yeah, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, and so, um, yeah, this is this was appalling. And uh, when we passed that resolution, you know, he wanted to know, well, who knows her? You know, and he's interrogating why we would care if we didn't know her personally. So I got to know the family personally. Uh, I, the Texas Faculty Association local at Collin College went to, uh, contacted uh, her daughter. Uh, we cre we've created a scholarship in her name. Uh, it's now in the hands of the, the college. So it can be distributed. We're going to uh, fund uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, $1,500 for a student which, you know, because the tuition at the college is actually a substantial amount of the expenses. And so we did it ourselves. The college would not support that. 
And I find that appalling. Uh, uh, just the, the callous way it was announced, the reaction to the resolution, and it really makes me wonder about the values and the compassion of the institution. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, yeah, it, it seems like it seems like the community college, and I'm hoping to trickle this up to the university level, to trickle it out to other community colleges and up to the university level, is they're very much take taking the approach of what they're trying to do with the Texas public schools, banning books, critical race theory, things like that. Um, my, my question for both of you is, are there actually organized efforts to do away with tenure going on in state legislatures in Texas and other places? Georgia already voted on it. Yeah. 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 And uh, well, you, you know, we can mention a, a adjunctification because there, oh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are community colleges in Texas that have tenure. We don't. But one thing that's happened is uh, I, I haven't found the numbers myself. I've been told at Collin College that 80% of the course hours were taught by full-time faculty. And currently the president's trying to reduce that to 50%. And if you're an adjunct, of course, you have no free speech at all. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, even, the, yeah. even the tenuous free speech rights, always under threat free speech rights, the full-time faculty have, uh, adjuncts have less because they don't even have to fire you. They yeah, just don't yeah. give you. They, they just don't give. Yeah, but yeah, of course, you know there are num number of states of Kansas. Basically, didn't Kansas just eliminate tenure? Didn't uh, a number? Yeah, of I did. They, I knew they were. There was a. I mean, there are pl plenty of legislatures right now that have this on the, you know, in committee and, and and things like that. And I think the adjunct issue. You know, you spoke about the kind of class issue before. You know where university professors, you know, don't get all excited about something that's happening at Collin College. And even less so, I mean, people who teach courses on labor history and radical history and blah, blah, blah. And when it comes to adjuncts, like, and we're seeing that, you know, I've, you know, grad students who try to organize who have these like alleged, you know, liberal radical professors who become deans and who uh, are, are huge obstacles to it. So I, I've always laughed at the idea of like, you know, the, the Marxist professors dominate the university. Like, where are they? I want to meet them because, you know, <laughs> Like, I, I don't know, I'm usually the only guy at the meeting or there's five of, you know, there's like five of us, right? Or something. Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, and what you're doing really does transcend ideology. It's, this is just, it's retaliatory. It's a first amendment issue. And I mean, you know, you, I don't want to embarrass you, but it's what's really kind of heroic about this. You saw it coming. And, you know, like I said, I've gotten emails from Colin College from people who have said, you know, I'd love to speak out, but, and I don't blame them. I mean, who wants to lose health insurance? That's horrific. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But you know, you knew what was coming, and you did the right thing. And and I know, I've known a few people like that. And you know, I think that takes that takes some you know fortitude, and because you kind of see. And I mean, Mackin is Montgomery Burns. He's terrifying. The fact that what's he from, like Herbert Ted Armstrong University or some that crazy uh, guy used to be on TV. Yeah, Worldwide Church of God. And yeah, I, he used to be on. I remember he was on TV years ago, like in yeah, yeah. nuts, right? Yeah, I don't. And the know, fact I don't that. Know. You know, I don't want to attack his religion, but I mean, I was. Well, it's 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 political. It's poli It's a, the politics of that religion, or you know, I think really yeah. very terrible. Yeah. Well, the policies yeah. that were explicitly racist. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, banning interracial dating. I wanted to make sure he didn't carry that that value system to the college, you know, and I did want the college to be able to teach evolution. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, well, I know, I, Scott probably told you, he's grew up in that area. And so, you know, when I read about the politics of, of Collin County and Collin College, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty terrifying. One, one thing I, one thing I've noted, I, 
maybe more anecdotal than anything, but the, the Washington Post would publish the, some backstory or bio of a, a Capitol riot or of a, a January 6th insurrection person. And they're always from the suburbs of Dallas or the suburbs of Fort Worth. Uh, Aren't the, like the, the guy from the Oath Keepers, isn't he from around there? The one yeah, who was just invited? Uh, he, he was arrested in Collin County. I think now 36 of uh, the people arrested uh, uh, for the Capitol insurrection were arrested by the Dallas FBI field office. An extraordinarily large number are from uh, Collin County. I've made this comment elsewhere. Uh, JFK, historically, when he was in Fort Worth and he was reading the Dallas Morning News ad, you know, where it was a wanted poster, and he told Jackie, uh, we're entering nut country. Nut country has moved north. Uh, it's moved north yeah. of Dallas because that's where Collin County is. Uh, yeah. We we are a hive of uh, proud boys, uh, you know, oath keepers, three percenters, that sort of sort of thing, and capital insurrectionists. And so this has become really, I mean, and again, the paradox is while the county is becoming far more diverse in its population, uh, and I think that's a reaction. That's when you have societal change happening, that's when there's backlash. Uh, and that's what we're experiencing now. It was already deeply conservative, but it's becoming reactionary. Yeah. I, I saw a thread by a, actually an anti-racist organizing group in, in DFW that a whole, had a whole thread on Granbury, which is in Hood County, which is just south of Fort Worth, which is actually where Stuart Rhodes from the Oath Keepers was living. And yeah. the more troubling thing is that number a number of people who are in the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, like in membership are like elected to local office. And I do feel like they're organized and they have a little bit of a plan. I'm kind of curious, is, is there any like Oath Keepers who have been elected to office in Collin County? Not that I'm aware of, but they are on, definitely on the part of the Trump wing of the Republican yeah. party. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear that- Oath Keeper know, adjacent people. <laughs> um, we're, we're getting close. I know that you have some support, but do you want to talk just a little bit about you know, kind of the kind of support you've got and where we go from here. And if anybody out here, anybody listening or watching wants to do anything, you know, what, what they can do and how well, there was help. a statement issued by the Academic Freedom Alliance about my case. Uh, I don't want to name, uh, I know the East Texas Historical Association is uh, going to issue a letter and a statement. I, I've heard of other associations that are going to, but I'd rather not mention sure, them sure, until it sure. comes public. Uh, you know, and then again, all the incredible support I'm getting from the Foundation for Individual right. Education. Uh, so I, I think the momentum is building. Um, you know, uh, buy my book. I hate to. There be, we go. Yeah, there you go. White Metropolis. We, uh, we, uh, it's an award-winning book, which uh, is, is yeah. the book to read. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, I just ordered it. Shame, shameless self-promotion, but that that's oh, okay. we do it all. The, we do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and yeah. and we'll definitely, you know, we we definitely we've stayed on top of um, the uh, last year's story, so we'll definitely stay on top of this. And you know, anytime you want to talk to us again, uh, but yeah. we'll continue to to yeah. let people know what's going on. This is obviously very personal to me um, as a professor, and you know, I've been in the crosshairs, but I've you know have institutional advantages that that you know. Uh, a lot of folks don't, but I know what it's like. And, you know, kind of like you, I've just kind of in the last couple, I've never taught about the span, the, uh, I'm sorry, the influenza epidemic this year. I, that's part of my lecture. I've never done it before 1918, just cause you know, and 
I've been talking about critical race theory and all that, even though that's not really my, my wheelhouse, just because, yeah. you know, they've got to learn real history. And the fact that you're doing it at, at risk to your career is just utterly terrifying. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I, I have to say real quickly that, you know, all those years in graduate school at the University of Texas at Austin, you know, I started adjuncting there. So I've been doing this for 20 years. I never imagined, and perhaps I should have, that I would be commanded to not share facts with my yeah. students. Yeah. That there would be a topic that would be verboten. I never, I never imagined that would happen. Uh, this is not the future I imagine, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, I was, I was w watching Star Trek and the Jetsons. I thought there would be colonies on the moon and we had, we'd have hover cars and everything. And now we're banning books instead. And this is a rather dystopian in a yeah, way. Yeah. Banning, banning books about the Holocaust, banning graphic novels about the Holocaust. And it's, right. terrifying. it's yeah, it's, it's bad stuff, but, um, I don't know if Scott has any, you know, Scott will have some last words, but I just, you know, want to thank you and admire what you're doing. We certainly will continue yeah. to support you in any way possible. And, you know, thank whatever you. I can do uh, either as uh, you know, with this or as a professor, just like, let us know. And uh, you know um, you are fighting a fight for many of us. You're not alone in this, you know, and hopefully you know, somebody like me who has tenure can use that tenure and, and hopefully get more people involved in it to, to help you as well. Uh, really so we really, we really appreciate everything you've done and, you know, uh, you're fighting a good fight. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You know, keep, keep, keep the struggle going. Keep the, uh, keep I the flame am. burning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a member of a union and, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so am I. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's <laughs> right. cool. Yeah. So. All right. So, folks, you've been listening to Professor Michael Phillips from Collin County talking about his, what all's going on there, his firing all of that. Uh, you're listening to the Green and Red podcast. If you want to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, please check us out there. Uh, you can also, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button down in your bottom right corner. And if you want to make a donation, go to greenredpodcast.org, hit the support button, or become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast. It's been great talking. Talk to everybody soon. Do. It's politics, nothing 